shall we look to the Lord? He's here. He has never missed a wedding. And he began his ministry by attending a wedding. Father, this evening we are here in your presence. It's your presence that makes this wedding special. We are just servants. We are nobody. You are the only one. You are the one who is moving in our midst. You are the one who is here to bless this couple. You are the one who will hold them by hand and lead them all the days of their life. Therefore, Father, this evening we bow our hearts and our minds and we pray, Lord, you speak to us. Speak to us. Everyone here, let somebody receive a word of encouragement, a word of exhortation, a word they will remember for the rest of their life. Not because I spoke, because you spoke to them. For you have the words of life. Speak to us, Lord. That we will remember this day. I went to Biju and Priscilla's wedding. And I remember the Lord spoke to me. I didn't go back the way I came. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 The crucifixion. Yesterday, Resurrection Sunday. Today it's a wedding. But that's the biblical order. He died. He rose again. The next great event is the wedding of the Lamb. So the order is right. Only thing, he's not a Lamb. In Matthew 19 and verse 4 and 5, whenever Jesus was asked this question about marriage, it's interesting. He answered and said to them, have you not read that he who made them at the beginning, he would always go to the beginning. Can I have these lights of Roshan? Can I have these lights? It's, it's messing up the screen. Okay. He always went to the beginning. You know, whenever Jesus was asked a question about marriage, he always went to the beginning. The beginning is the book of Genesis. And I would tell every brother, sister, and child sitting here, read the book of Genesis with all your heart and ask God to open your eyes. Because if you know your beginning, you will know your end. If you know your beginning, you will know how it all started, where it all went wrong, and how God intends to put it all right, and how he is doing it. So if you go to the beginning, the first word is, in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. And I pray with you and Priscilla, in the beginning, God is with you. God is with you. The writer of Hebrews will say, look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. The beginner. John would say, in the beginning was the word. So in the beginning was God. The beginning was the word. Jesus Christ, who became word that became flesh. And then we have six days of creation. Everything that we see. And then Genesis 2, 7 says, there was a man. And there is a man. Not a woman, the man. First, there was a man. And the Bible says, God breathed into his nostrils. And he became a living soul. And I pray God would breathe into you. It's already breathed into you. You have a born again person in the spirit. But I pray he will breathe upon you very specially tonight. That's what made Adam, Adam. The next verse is there was a place. 
a place called Eden. So there is a man, there is a place, and the next verse is, there was provision. Please understand God's order. There is a man, there is a place, and there is God's provision. And verse 15 says, there is work. If man does not have work, he has no purpose in life. The work defines his purpose in life. So God is in the beginning. The word is in the beginning. There is a man. There is a place. There is provision. And then there is purpose. And in that purpose, he will tell him, watch and tend work. Watch and work. The psalmist will say in Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds. That's working. Build on your marriage. It's hard work. It is hard work. Christ has been working on his wedding day for 2,000 years. And he's still not finished because the bride is still not ready. It's hard work. So there is work. And you need to watch. Adam failed to watch. And therefore sin entered the world. It's not enough to work. We need to watch our homes. So there is a man. There is a place. There was provision. And there was purpose. And then God will put what I call boundaries or parameters. What you can do and what you cannot do. In every marriage there are things you can do. Lots of things you cannot do. Can do. There are certain things you cannot do. If you do, you will die. Marriage will die. Your home will die. That's why Jesus said, this was the way in the beginning. What you can do? Eat from every tree. Lots and lots of things you can do in your marriage and make your home happy, your life happy, your children happy. There are certain things you don't do. If you do, consequences follow. So there is a man. There is a place. There is provision. There is purpose. There is parameters. But he's still in a house. Eden is a house. Until you have a woman, it doesn't become a home. The house is going to be home soon. Allow her to set it up, okay? Allow them. I tell all my couples, let them do it. We are men. We can sleep anywhere, but not them, okay? The house is going to become a home. But today's text is from verse 18. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18. The Lord said, it is not good that man should be alone. Nine words. The first nine words that define all human relationships. It is not good for man to be alone. From five goods in six days and to very good on the seventh day. Now he's saying it is not good. It is not good for man to be alone. John Milton, the great Puritan poet, Christian Puritan poet said, the first time when God said it is not good, it is about loneliness. It's not good to be alone. From experience, my own, and all the weddings I have conducted, you go and ask the couple a few days later, do you remember anything that you heard? 
they have stars in their eyes, butterflies in their stomach, and they remember nothing. So the message is for the rest of the audience. If you can remember something, good for you. And it's being live cast. So we have people from all around, many nations, watching and listening. It's not good to be alone. And after sin came in, that's what happened to man. He's alone. Relationship had been messed up with God and with man. Alone, alone, and loneliness kills. If you have done the count, number of counselings that I have done, not just in Hyderabad, all around India, all around parts of the world, after a convention, after a mission, couples come, men come, women to talk. I will tell you, there are tens and thousands of couples who are married but alone. Houses are full of things and gadgets, but people are alone. Attending every party, but inside, all alone. That's what sin did. Separated from God, separated us from one another. And Jesus said, it was not so in the beginning. You know, most of the things people do is to kill loneliness. There are very few young people here. But those of you who have teenagers, the kind of things teenagers do is because they are alone inside. Why are their ears always plugged in? Why are they on gadgets? Because inside they are alone. They are alone. Why do millions of young people, they are on drugs? Because they are alone. Why do every day we hear about rape parties and young people being arrested? Because they are alone. And they were never, ever meant to be alone. Because it's God who said it is not good for man to be alone. I was telling my church yesterday, one of those beautiful, anointed singers in Nigeria, gospel singers in Nigeria, was battered to death last week by her own husband. And all the time she sang before millions and blessed them, she was alone inside in her home. Because God said, it is not good for man to be alone. With you, it's not good to be alone. Priscilla, it's not good to be alone. I'm praying you will never be alone again. The book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 4 and verse 10. The wisest man supposedly who lived said, Woe to him who is alone. Woe to him who is alone when he falls, for there is no one to help him. Who said this? Solomon. 600 wives. 300 concubines. Everything the heart or mind could desire he had. But that man was alone. You read the book of Ecclesiastes. Vanity, vanity, vanity. Emptiness, emptiness, emptiness. You know what? The wisest, the most powerful, the most rich man was alone inside. Because he lost contact with God. It's not good for it to be alone. You go to office. Full of co-workers. But if you ask many, they are alone. You travel in the metro or a bus or a train packed with people. Most people inside, they are alone. Best of men, the most anointed of men can break when the pressure increases when they are alone. And Elijah 
broke under pressure. And he was alone under a broom tree. And he told the Lord, I want to die. I want to die. God fed him twice. Made him walk 40 days. And then told him, I know your problem. You are alone. Go down the road. You will meet a man called Elisha. Anoint him. You are not going to be alone again. You will have somebody with you. When you fall, he will hold you up. It is not good for man to be alone. Famine is killing Canaan. They are hungry. Joseph has commanded, you cannot come back for food unless you bring Benjamin. And Jacob said, no. Not Benjamin. He's alone. His brother is dead. He's alone. Doesn't he have ten brothers? And Jacob says, no. He's alone. He can't be in a home with ten brothers. Thousands of servants. Benjamin is alone. We are talking about great, mighty men in the Bible. They were alone. It is not good to be alone. <laughs> Who said it? God said it. Ecclesiastic 4.9, it says, Two is better than one. With you and Priscilla, you can proudly quote it and say, Two is better than one. Amen? Do you know when Cain, the first guy outside the garden, killed his brother Abel? Sin is now. Not only is he broken away from God, he's broken away from his brother. We all know the punishment. The punishment God gave him is that you will be a fugitive and a vagabond all the days of his life. Do you know what it means? Cut off from God. Cut off from man. You will be alone all the days of your life. Do you know what his cry is? My punishment is too much for me to bear. Loneliness has killed more people in history than anything else. In the USA, the second highest cause of death by suicide is loneliness. The richest, the most powerful, the most famous, just kill themselves. You know why? Because they were alone. It's God who said, it is not good to be alone. When you are not alone because you have God and you have a believing friend or spouse, genuine fellowship, what you actually have is a slice of heaven on earth. But when you do not have God or a genuine friend, what you have is a slice of hell on earth. Because loneliness kills. It kills. It kills. The Bible talks about Jacob's first wife, Leah. Leah was not loved by her husband. She was alone. She was alone. She was hoping her husband would love her. He had physical relationships with her because she kept on conceiving. But he did not love her and she was alone. Her father did not want her. Her husband did not like her. And she was just birthing. First one, Reuben. She thought he would come to me. He's not interested. Levi, Simeon, nothing. Then the Bible says, she looked up. There's somebody who loves me. Because the word of God says, when God saw Leah was not loved, he opened her womb. That's why she learned, named her fourth child Judah, which means praise. Because she realized, even if no one on earth loves me, 
he loves me. No man has to be alone because God loves you and loves me. That's why pastor was exhorting one mind for the extension of the gospel because what the gospel does is you're no longer alone because somebody comes into your life. Do you remember the story of the rich man and Lazarus? Jesus himself said, it's not a story, it's a real story because it's not a parable. Because in parable there are no names. Here you have a name. Look at what Jesus said. Being in torment in Hades, in hell, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in the flames. Do you know what he's saying? You will be alone forever in hell. No God, no man, nobody to speak to you forever and ever. He's saying, I thirst, not for water. I thirst for somebody to speak to me. But where did Lazarus go? He's having fellowship. That's what bosom means. We say, he's my bosom friend. But everybody who knows to God will never be alone. Because it's God who said, it is not good to be alone. So Lazarus who was alone on earth, sitting with the dogs, is in the bosom of Abraham having fantastic fellowship. Well, another man is in a place where he will be alone forever. That's why we preach the gospel. That's why we go to places and go through hardships. We put all our money, our resources, energy to putting across the gospel so that man needn't be alone in eternity. Biju and Priscilla, you can make your home a slice of heaven. Actually, the only place in the Bible where it says heaven on earth is in the book of Deuteronomy connected with the home. Nowhere else. Heaven on earth. And church is a home. Alone, alone, alone. We all know about Job. But do you know he was alone? So alone. Cut off from God. He doesn't know what's happening in his life. Listen to the cry of Job in Job 19. If you, if I can have it there, Job 19 and verse 13 and 14. 13 onwards. He has removed my brothers far from me and my acquaintance are completely estranged from me. My relatives have failed. My close friends have forgotten me. Those who dwell in my house, my maidservant, count me as a stranger. I am an alien in their sight. I call my servant. He gives no answer. I beg him with my mouth. My breath is offensive to my wife. I'm repulsive to the children of my own body. Even my young, even young children despise me. I arise and they speak against me. All my close friends abhor me and those who, whom I love have turned against me. A man is alone. And God is not speaking. God is not. This is the reality of humanity. We pretend, we laugh, we go for parties, but when you come back home, the reality of most people is they are alone. God's solution? We sing that song, God sent his son. Why did he send his son? To break that curse of sin, of separation, man from God, 
and man and man. The Bible says, he who came from the bosom of the father. That's what the Bible says in John 1, 18 or 19. It says a bosom. He had such close fellowship with the father. But the Bible says, he came to his own and they did not receive him. So he came to planet earth and he was alone. All he had was his father. He was alone. Why was he alone? Because he had to break that curse over our lives. That man wouldn't be alone ever again. The day he was arrested, like chronologically last week, when he was arrested, Mark 14 and verse 50 says, all forsook him and fled. He's all alone. Even his closest disciples forsook him and he's all alone. Was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Foxes have holes, birds have nests. Son of man has no way to place his head. Why? He's partaking our sin, our grief, our sorrow. What is loneliness? So that he can break it in everybody's life. Then on the cross, the unthinkable happened. Mark 15, verse 34 says, He cried, My God, my God, you have forsaken me. Never in eternity past or eternity future ever has that happened. He told his disciples, My father has never left me. But for the first time, all men left him and his father left him. On the cross, he's all alone. No man not his father. Do you know what his his next words are on the cross after his father turned his face away? Do you know? It's the same cry of of the man in hell. I thirst. And he was not asking for water. He was asking for one word. One word of comfort from somebody because every man has turned his face away and his father has turned his face away. I thirst for us. For you and me. On the cross. I thirst. Let me tell you the good news. On the third day he rose. He died alone. But he rose on the third day. Because of him, no man has to be alone ever again. Ever again. His last message to his disciples, this is what he actually said. In John 14, verses 16 to 18. I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. Listen now. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. For you know, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Look at the next verse. I love it. I will not leave you orphans. I will not leave you orphans. The greatest killer in this world is the orphan spirit. The orphan spirits. More than, we don't have statistics in India, but we have from US, the foremost Christian nation. More than 50% of Christian homes in US are broken. Around 70% of the children who come back home come back to an empty house because both parents are working. Orphans. But he said, 
you will not have to be orphans. Therefore, the first act Jesus did when he rose from the dead and came to his disciples, do you know the first act he did? This is what he did. He breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit, for you shall never be alone again. This is what he had done with Adam. He breathed upon Adam. Now he breathed upon his disciples. And I believe he has breathed on many, if not all of you. You have the very Spirit of God in us. John 17, 20, 21. This is what he says then about us. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Do you know what it means, Vijay and Priscilla? 2,000 years ago, he prayed for all of us. He prayed for all of us. Do you know what he prayed? Look at this. That they all may be one. As you, Father, are in me, I in you. They also may be one in us. That the world may believe that you sent me. Unbroken fellowship. Man does not have to be alone anymore. God in us, God in all of us, we can actually fellowship, deal with our issues because we are one body, parts of the same body, the same spirit. And when we live like that, when Biju and Priscilla live like that, when all the homes in the churches live like that, and the church lives like that, the world will believe Jesus is God. Because the world is hungry because they are alone. That's why in Ephesians 5, 31 and 32, Paul would come back to the words Pastor Sam read. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife. The two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. It's a reflection of Christ and the church. The two shall become one. And one day, the two shall become one. There's a wedding coming. We are all preparing for that wedding. That's the wedding we are preparing. Therefore, the Spirit of God through the psalmist says in Psalm 80, 68 and verse 6, as I come to the close, God has said the solitary or the lonely in families. Are you lonely today? He'll put you in a family. My church is full of single parents and orphans. Therefore, for them, church is the home. He puts the lonely in families. Pastor, I pray. And I pray. The other pastor is also here? Okay, Pastor Ashok. Where is Pastor? Yeah, I, I see you. Yes, Pastor Ashok. No, just be seated. I, I had kept a seat for you in the front. Pastor Ashok and Pastor Sam, I always pray every church will be a home where the lonely can come. The broken can come. The orphans can come. And they will know, I found a home. I found a home. I found a place where I belong. Yes, I'll be, they will be tough on me, but they will know I'm part of the family. I'm not a stranger anymore. I have somebody. Somebody. So at every aching heart, lonely heart, solitary heart, married or unmarried, a lot of women I know who go to sleep and their pillows are wet in tears. 
80% of my church members come from non-Christian backgrounds. And if you are here on a Sunday, you will see every second prayer request is for the salvation of their parents. Because they go home to parents who don't understand them. They are lonely in their homes. Alone in their homes. But Christ is with them. And he has set the lonely in families. And to everyone who is lonely, and everyone who is alone, Revelation 3.20 says, He knocks at the door of our heart. Do you know what he says? If you open, that's how polite he is. He won't push it open. He won't crash into your party. He will knock gently. If you open, I will come. Not only me alone. I and my father. And I will dine with you. Meaning I will fellowship with you. I'll be with you forever. And I will talk to you. My father will talk to you. All you have to do is let me in. Because it's the last day's church. Laodicea. Church is gathering. Christ is outside. And Christ is saying, Will you let me in? If you let me in, I and my father will come in. It's like I said, the church of God is preparing for that great event. It is said in Revelation 19 and verse 7. Let us be glad and rejoice. Give him glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. Let me ask you, that's the song we begin or end in our, the worship song, you heard that song? We shall dance on, sing a song of celebration. That's a song we will sing in heaven at the wedding party of the Lamb. But the bride made herself ready. My question to you is, how did she make herself ready? Because he was speaking to her every day. We have a God who speaks. Because he's the one who said, you don't have to be alone. I am with you. I am in you. I will speak to you. The Bible begins with a wedding. And it ends with a wedding. It's a beautiful picture. I always tell my churches, when you are depressed, read the last two chapters of the Bible. This is what it says. I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for a husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he will dwell with them. And they shall be his people. God himself will be with them. And be their God. This is the end of the story. But if you read your story correctly, because we are all waiting to go to heaven. But the Bible says God is waiting to come to earth. It's the other way around. It's not we going up. The city coming down. And God is going to be with us forever and ever. Why? That's what every Christian marriage symbolizes. When the girl walks down the aisle on the arm of her father, it is Eve being led down the aisle by her father. And Adam opens his eyes and he says, Wow, man, that is what woman means. There is another wedding going to happen in heaven. It is the bride of Christ and walking down the arm of her father and it will be Christ. If you look in chapter 21, it's the bride who described, not the bridegroom. And he will look at the bride and says, wow man, 2000 years it took, but it was worth waiting.
So those all who are hungry and thirsty, this is what the Spirit of God and the Bride has to say. The final words for tonight, Revelation 21 and verse 17. For all those who are lonely and alone, the Spirit and the Bride said, come. Let him who hears say, come. Let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. That is the gospel. Every wedding is a gospel story being reenacted again and again. Priscilla came on the arm of her father. But now at the end of the service, she will go the arm of her husband. The same story. That's the day we are waiting for. So this evening as I close, I want to pray for you. If there is anybody, you may be born in a Christian family, but you may not have God in you. I request you to bow your head for a second. He's knocking at the door of your heart. Or maybe you knew him, but you walked away. And you are like David crying. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. What better day than when a young couple is starting their journey. There is hope here. There is joy here. There is anticipation. What better day than to ask Jesus. Would you please come back? Would you please come back? A smoking flax he will not put off. A bruised reed he will not break. That's how gentle our Savior is. If you open in your heart, He will come in. If you walked away, we get it wrong. We pastors get it wrong. We preach about the story of the prodigal son. It is not the story of the prodigal son. It is the story of the waiting father. The father never took his eyes off the road. You see the boy dragging his feet, but you see the father running towards the boy and he has never changed. He's still the same God. Anybody broken? Anybody lonely? Anybody alone? You don't have to be alone after tonight because there is one who went through it all on the cross, hanging on the cross, hanging between heaven and earth. Earth did not want him and God turned his face away from him. For our sake. But today, he is willing to come and make his home in our heart. Shall we pray? Father, this evening, I thank you, Lord, that on this beautiful occasion of a young couple getting married and starting their journey, we can ask you, Lord, come into our lives. We want to walk with you. The vows this young people made is unto death. But the love you make with us is forever. Even death cannot part us from you. So Lord, anyone who is hurting, anyone who is alone, anyone who is lonely, anyone who is broken, you are the bum of Gilead. You are the one and true witness. You are the faithful one. Touch them. Comfort them. Let every home, I pray, including the one which you and Priscilla will build, be as lies of heaven on earth. 
That every church we all attend be a slice of heaven on earth that the world will believe in Jesus. Strengthen, empower, comfort, and keep. For in Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen, amen.